Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford, Woking and Aldershot in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. Hey everybody, I'm Jo Saxton and it's a real gift to be able to be with you today. I am a Brit. I'm a Londoner by birth and conviction, Nigerian by heritage and by happiness. Um, but I live in the US. I live in Minnesota, in Minneapolis, or in, in the Minneapolis area. I am a speaker, author, I coach leaders, that sort of thing. Anyway, I'm married to a guy called Chris. He um, is a Brit also. I was going to tell you what he does for a living, but I've forgotten. And it's really too late to ask. And I have two teenage daughters as well. I'm, it's a gift to me to speak to you today because I have been eavesdropping on your church over the last few years and it has been wonderful. You have spoken into my life and ministered to me. So um, I'm honoured to be part of this series and we're going to be looking at what it means to come and rest, to come and rest. But before that, I'm also aware, also aware it's Valentine's Day or the, that weekend. And here in the US, it's something of a bit of a hallmark holiday, lots of sugar, lots of pink, lots of red, that kind of thing. But I don't know how this weekend lands with you. Maybe you're happy you're not gathering as normal because it would feel awkward. Um, I got married at 29. My friends got married at 21, 22, 23. So that was fantastic. And, um, and uh, anywho, but that's, that's another talk. That's another talk. But I did want to say for those of you for whom this is a challenging weekend, maybe because you thought you'd be married by now. Maybe there's been a breakup which has broken you into pieces. Maybe this is the first year after a divorce or um, or the loss of a loved one, wherever you're at on that continuum. Maybe it's exposed things in your existing relationships that you know are utterly dysfunctional. The Lord sees you today. Wherever you're at, the Lord sees you today. So the invitation that includes um, what I just sh shared, but the invitation is this. Come rest. And I'm going to read from very familiar verses in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. I'm going to use the New Living Translation. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart. And you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. These words may sear our very soul from the jump, <laughs> because how many of us know that weariness right now? I, it, I don't know whether you're on a lockdown, shutdown. I don't know what you guys are calling it, um, but it's tiring. That we can all use the same language for. We're tired. Maybe it's the fear. Maybe you are teaching your kids at home. Maybe you are recovering from sickness. Maybe you are mourning the loss of loved ones. But maybe you are carrying heavy burdens. It might be that your burdens are economic, primarily, that you've lost your job on account of what's going on. Or as a business leader, you are making some tough decisions that you know will impact people around you. And it's disturbing and challenging. Maybe you're, you're worried because as you lead your nonprofit, you know that the most vulnerable in society are even more vulnerable right now. And it's, and it's weighing on you. Or maybe there's something of a racial reckoning that you that's been happening in the public consciousness. Like I said at the beginning, I live in the Minneapolis area and the the racial reckoning that was awakened by um, the death of George Floyd 
and sparked multiple conversations and things about things that had always been going on. Can I just say that? Nothing was new. Um, and yet the conversations have tired you or you have been maybe as a as a person of colour, you may have been on the receiving end of multiple conversations which have left you weary and left you tired and you were already tired. Just people didn't know it. I don't know what the source of your weariness is, but living and leading through this, I do believe God has some words for us when he says come and when he says rest. So what we're going to do is this. We are going to, I want to set the scene for a moment in terms of looking at who um, these, these words were first um, spoken to because I think that even that speaks to our scenario. Then I'm going to take a closer look at what these words for rest actually mean. Then we're going to come back to our happy scene and where we're at, maybe dig a little deeper into some of that and ask ourselves what Jesus has to say to us as individuals. But I think there's even a hint of a word for us as a community as well, um, that God is speaking to us as a people when he says, come rest and what it means for us to represent him out in the world with these words, come rest to a tired and a weary world as well. And we're going to try and do that in just the next few minutes. So, yay. Context, context. So when, let me set the scene. When Jesus is living and walking the, walking the streets of Galilee, um, the people of God are under the oppressive footprint of Roman rule. And they are just the most recent oppressors, not the first or the only. Even though they are living in the air of their promised land, these people are not free. They longed for God to fulfill his promise of a Messiah who would deliver them from their enemies, who would uh, uh, who would bring justice and bring a new rule and reign. Those that promise captured the longings of their of those people, but also their ancestors. And they were still waiting. It felt like heaven had been silent for years, hundreds of years. Hundreds of years they'd been waiting. And so their faith, well, they had religious leaders like the Pharisees who were kind of like overachievers who missed the point a little. Now, they recognised that God's people had walked away from God's law generations before. And so they, as a consequence of that, were now in exile. Well, they went into exile and have encountered oppression. And the Pharisees were so determined to keep bad consequences from happening again that they added rules and regulations to prevent people from breaking rules and producing more bad consequences. They added extra rules about what it meant to follow God and how to do it more accurately. And if you didn't adhere to that, you were an outsider. So what began as 10 commandments grows, expands into more than 600 rules, 600 rules. And even the most scrupulous rule follower couldn't cultivate a more intimate relationship with God out of that because it's based on fear. Um, and they're in this place of always trying and never reaching, always pushing and driving, striving and never arriving. I don't know if you've ever been there. And Jesus speaks into that with his words. And he says, come to me, all you who are weary and carry, who are carrying all this heavy stuff, the oppression, the uncertainty, the fear, the loss, um, the expectation. And I'll give you rest. Jesus is a different kind of Messiah to the one that they thought they were going to get. But he's still moving with power and love and authority and compassion. And this word come is an invitation. You're trying to get to me and I'm saying, come to me, come to me. And his invitation was for everyone who not just needed to put their feet up, and though it's lovely to put your feet up, he is inviting them um, to come close. Anyone, anyone who has been dragged down by a chronically wearied life. Instead of try harder, be better, come and have relationship with me. Instead of shame and blame, instead of um, this endless pressure to achieve, come and rest. And it's more than like the end of activity and busyness. 
The word for rest here also meant comfort and calm, refreshment. I will give you comfort. I will give you calm. I will give you refreshment. And it also meant an opportunity to recover your strength. He offered the kind of rest that would give you back your life. That's what's on offer here when he says come. And how would he do that? We see it in the next couple of verses. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, in the Bible, the word yoke often symbolized servanthood, submission, burden, even slavery. The Pharisees had called people to carry the yoke of the Torah, of God's word. They spoke of the yoke of the law, the commandments, the kingdom and the yoke of God. But there's also a very um, simple agricultural image that would have surrounded them culturally at the time. In order to plow fields effectively, oxen were kind of put together in teams and to a yoke. There was a kind of uh, a piece of wood shaped to fit the oxen so that the burden would not hurt them. The burden of pulling the plow would not hurt them. And they plow for hours at a time. So a younger, kind of more feisty ox would be harnessed alongside an older, more experienced ox. And so that way the younger one would learn how to navigate the field and be at a pace that was sustainable. It must have looked odd from a distance, but what was happening in reality was the older ox was actually carrying the weight, <laughs> was actually pulling the burden. But the younger one was learning with this fitting yoke, how to do their job. And Jesus uses this image um, of a yoke to transform the yoke of burdens and scary stuff that they may have expected to say that I'm inviting you into close relationship with me where I will be the one who carries the weight, who carries the burden. And ultimately he will carry the burden of their sin and their shame and their guilt and their fear. And he promises not to just stand at a distance, but he is with them journeying them, helping them recover their life. And we know ultimately that will happen on a cross. He will give them a new life and invite them into a new mission. But what he says in this moment is in the midst of oppression, in the face of disappointment, in the midst of endlessly delayed dreams and longings, in the midst of the aching and the spiritual desert and the weariness and the anxiety in the face of it all, come, Come and I will give you comfort and I will give you calm and I will give you a place with me. There's a place to recover your strength and with me. And by that way, by the way, the yoke is easy. The word for that means tailor made, custom made. I will give you the yoke which actually fits the life that you actually have. And the burden is light because I'm carrying it. That's what he's saying both then and now. And yes, they'll be invited on this journey and this adventure. We know that there will be a commission to come, that ultimately the word will be go. But it begins with come and it starts with rest. I wonder what comes to mind for you when you think of your life. I'm going to read the verse again, but this time I'm going to read the message version, if that's OK, because it's fabulous. OK, are you tired, worn out? burned out on religion. Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I love the richness of that translation, how it captures the imagery of that, of the oxen, the teamwork, where the elder seasoned um, ox 
carries the burden. It, it draws all of that in this translation. But again, I read it to you to help us, help us think together of what this may mean for our lives. You know, we read the Bible, but the Bible reads us, doesn't it? <laughs> the Bible reads us. So where are you weary? And I'm going to go back to the list I gave at the beginning. How, is it, how, are, you, how are you doing in the pandemic these days? Um, are you defined by fear? All the trauma of sickness? I don't know if you are, maybe for those of you who work in healthcare particularly, day in, day out. How are you doing? For those of you who are teachers doing an impossible job, how are you doing? For all of us trying to live impossible jobs and impossible lives, how's it going? For those of us who are educating kids whilst checking in on elderly relatives, whilst keeping, trying to hold ourselves together and feeling threadbare, how's it going? Um, there was an article in the New York Times just last week talking about the impact of the pandemic on women as they were sandwiching um, lives, um, children, elderly relatives and work. And they titled the article, The Primal Scream. The Primal Scream, just to give you an indicator of the tone right now. <laughs> How many of us are wearied economically because we've lost jobs, we've lost income, and honestly, that income isn't coming back. Um, it's put us in a real vulnerable position and we're nervous and we're worried and how are the bills gonna get paid and how are we gonna do this? Or what does it mean if I have to lay off half my staff and that business that you prayed into and fasted over? What happens now, God? What happens now, God? Or as you deal with the racial reckoning and the conversations and they're, they're uncomfortable and it's easier to push it to the side a little bit because it's too hard to face. Or how are you doing dealing with the reality of the experiences that you've had and people asking you questions about them as a person of colour? How are you doing? What are you, what's wearying you right now? How do you live and lead through this? When I began, when this journey began, I um, rather sanctimoniously thought, and, and it was a sanctimonious attitude in response to shock. We have, we have our ways, friends. <laughs> and so um, I was so shocked by all the losses. I was so shocked. I was so shocked because a friend of mine lost relatives every week for about two months. I was shocked by um, my world closed very immediately. All the things that we planned, prayed and fasted over, gone. All the, because I couldn't travel. And at that phase of my life, there was a lot of travel coming up. And that was family existence and income and all that stuff as well. But I was so shocked. I was so shocked and I remember saying to the Lord I'm just gonna pray just gonna pray and say okay God this will be an opportunity for me to know you more deeply and more intimately and get to know you better and that'll be great it'll be fantastic and I'm we're gonna go deep I'm gonna get into the word I'm gonna train for a half marathon I don't know why um well just let that go um <laughs> and I'm gonna be really good for you Lord Jesus I'm gonna prove I don't know I'm gonna prove something Dude, God wasn't asking. And when I got there to my first prayer time, and I felt particularly sanctimonious because it was at a time when there were some of my favorite TV shows. Um, <laughs> I got to this prayer time and I just broke down. And my first words of prayer, I kind of got my Bibles, got my different translations. I do love a few translations. I got my translations, got it all out. And then I just started weeping and weeping and weeping. And I said, God, do you mind? Would you mind if I get in the fetal position, please? And that was my prayer. That was my prayer that day. And honestly, that was been my prayer for pretty much all of 2020. It was my prayer as I looked at 
our plans and our income and thought, God, what are we going to do? What are you going I'm tired of this and I'm tired of of the losses and I'm tired of, and, and my kids are grieving and everybody's home under the same roof and it's kind of wonderful in a way and it's really weird in another way all at the same time. How do I make space for all of these feelings at the same time? And then we hit May and we have these racial reckonings and I'm, God, I'm tired. I've always, I've been tired for decades about the lack of a conversation on, a genuine conversation on race because it's not a conversation for me. It's not a conversation for my body. It's not a conversation for my children. We're not having conversations, we're living. And so I was tired and I was weary and I was angry, so angry to see yet another life taken. And I remember having a conversation with my mum um, and she was like, how far are you from where things are kicking off? Uh, because obviously in, in the light of George Floyd's death, there is an uprising that happens. Um, and I remember talking to my mum and I said, oh, I'm nowhere near where it was, you know, when I was a kid because I grew up near Brixton and we were talking about the riots there and, I, and we were talking about police brutality and, and the different experiences that my that members of my family had had from corrupt members less corrupt members of the police force and um and um and I thought it's 40 years and we're still having this conversation I'm weary I'm weary God and so I kept weeping and I kept being depleted and and I kept being exhausted by it all, by it all. That's my story, what's yours? What's your setting for these words? Paint your picture, maybe a very different story. Maybe, um, maybe for you, it, the, the pressure points have been in your home, maybe the pressure points have been in your job, maybe the pressure points are you're trying to do the right thing and trying to live justly in, in your work, in your, in your space, but you're exhausted. Wherever you are, I do believe the Lord is still inviting you to come. Inviting you to come. You're trying to show up with vision and passion and intentionality. And Jesus says, come, and he says, there's no need to earn your way into my good books <laughs> by being good at global pandemics. So I say to you where you're at today, are you failing on parenting right now? Do you feel like your your kid's childhood is one long television show. First of all, Gen Xer, my entire life, you'll, you'll be fine. But do you feel your parenting is failing right now? Come, he says. You, do you feel like a failure in your business? He says, come. Are you sick of the isolation? He says, come. Do you hate everybody on Valentine's Day? He says, come. Are you exhausted? Are you exhausted? That might be my dog you might hear. I'm just gonna let him go. He just does that. <laughs> Are you exhausted by your pets? He says, come. <laughs> Are you tired at, of the four walls that you're around? Are you wrestling with conversations about race and equity and you just don't know how to explain how you feel and you're all just trying to work. You feel like you're failing at being an ally. You're trying to do the best you can and you feel it's a mess or you're a police officer and you're trying to model a way of being and there are these conversations which are so important but everything is just so hard. Everything is just so hard. You're trying to help people on their journey of understanding race and stuff. And you're like, I'm tired of explaining the trauma of my life. Whoever you are, God says, come. 
and I will show you how to rest. Come for comfort. Come for calm. Come for an opportunity to recover your strength. Come for the kind of rest that will give you back your life because he will carry your every burden and he is here to carry your every grief and he is here for your every feeling of inadequacy and defensiveness and he is here for your sorrow and your disappointment and your highs and your lows and your strong days and your vision and your excitement and your passion and everything all of it he's here and he is saying come and he will help you recover your life and he's not just here with expectations but he is partnering with you he is tethered to you and he will model to you how to do it and he's not giving you some corporate burden where everything looks the same it will be custom made for you because he sees you and he knows you and he loves you but will you come Or are you trying to earn your way into his approval because of how you feel you've done in the past year? Come rest. Come rest. And if you're already at a place of burnout, come rest. And if your mental health feels really fragile, come rest. And it may be the first step of rest might be a doctor's appointment and a call to a therapist. But come rest. And he will shape with you a journey that will train you, that will transform you, that will work with you, that will help you. It's an invitation of love, friends, of God's love and compassion to you. And finally, just before I wrap things up, (laughs) before I wrap things up for us, what could this mean for us as a community? What could this mean to us as church family? We talk about being the hands and feet of Jesus, or at least I do. Talk about us being the hands and feet of Jesus, his representatives in the world or whatever your language is. Um, And I want us to think through. Yes, we I want us to take this personally for ourselves, but as a community to ask ourselves, what does it mean to represent Jesus in a world that is afraid and tired and weary and, and broken and lost and hurting? What does it look like to offer the generous invitation come? to be countercultural in the face of oppression and loss. That's something for us to consider as a community. But also I wanna invite us and urge us to think through and pray through as we look to the days ahead, because we know there's no, we're not at a new normal yet because it's still happening. I, the best words I've got are an emerging landscape, you know, where sometimes it's like an earthquake and the dust is settling and then some things become visible and then some things get foggy and then there's another aftershock. That's as secure as I've got, <laughs> secure as I've got right now. What does it look like for us to be a place and a people of rest in that space? To be people of comfort, to be people of calm, a place of refreshment, to give people an opportunity to recover their strength and provide a pathway forward. Will we be that church? Because that I believe is what it means for us to be salt and light in this day. What does it mean to be a place of comfort and calm for those on the margins? What does it look like to be a place of comfort and calm for those who have suffered systemic injustice? What does it look like to be a place of comfort and calm for the wealthy, for the poor, for the stay-at-home mum, for the working mum, for the working dad, for the stay-at-home dad, for every single body, for the single person, to the vulnerable, to the elderly, to the child? To be that place of refreshment and calm and comfort. To be a people which provide a place for recovery and renewal. To be a Christ-centred pathway into a new future. We don't know, do we? But anchored with him, we'll learn. Connected to him, we'll learn. 
because he won't put anything ill-fitting or too heavy for us. It'll be something fitting for Emmaus Road, fitting for all your community groups, fitting for the, the mission that he's already given you. But it begins with one invitation to you personally. Come. Yes, have your crazy, big, hairy, audacious visions. But come. Start from that place of comfort, renewal, rest, recovery and a pathway hewn by Jesus and the grace of God. And so to close, I, I simply want to invite you to that, to come, to come as you are, to come with the mess, to come with the sorrow, to come with the rage, to come with every single piece and part, every fragment of your story. That the glory of God may meet you there, that the kindness of God may meet you there, that the rest of God will meet you there. Let's pray. Lord God, I do want to thank you for my Emmaus Road fam. And I do want to pray, God to every part of the stories. I thank you, Lord, though I could not know, I couldn't even deign to know the stories and the journeys of every brother and sister there, but you know and you see. So Lord, I pray that they would hear your voice and that they would find calm and comfort and strength and rest in you and that they would find um, a fitting yoke and journey with you that leads them forward, that they would recover their life. And Lord, I pray for Emmaus Road as a community as well, that you would anoint them by your spirit to be a loud invitation to their communities and to be a people of God-given, God-infused rest to a broken and a hurting world. I ask this in your name, Lord, for your glory and yours alone. Amen.